0: I was ask you to find 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We have sort of this this simple idea, this simple command, but if if we're just honest with ourselves, it's very difficult to put this command into action, being broken people in an increasingly broken world. We literally, we are literally commanded to give thanks in all circumstances. But let's be honest. That's hard. And so we have to embrace this is very likely a learned practice. And if it's a learned practice, that means we got work to do. Um, the cool thing is, it's, uh, it's the kind of work that the Lord meets us in. Now, I'm one of these guys that loves to live on the offensive. I don't love to live in this thing where I'm just always responding to things. I want to live where where I'm out doing what God's called me to do. And so part of this tonight is simply coming to wrestle with the truth that this is a command. It's a command to be thankful. Amen? It's It's a New Testament commandment. You can put it just like that. He says, be thankful. Okay? The other side of it is, it's an invitation to always search out what is good, affirm it, and voice it. To always do that. So with no further ado, I want to read all of uh, this passage I've selected tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22, but I want to concentrate on verse number 18. You ready? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast, to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Father, as we open the word, Lord, we, I humbly ask you that you do that thing that only you can do. The word is spiritually discerned. And we, we need help for that. We need miraculous help. We need you to open this to us. to Somehow come through the fog of distractions, come through the fog of tiredness, come through the fog of the work of the enemy. And give us clarity, clarity, speak to us, God, so that we'll know that even though a preacher is reading and expounding, so that we'll know that in the middle of that, we are hearing from the oracles of God, from God himself. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. I want to start with a little exercise. Y'all ready? Shannon, could you back up? Thank you, brother. I'm going to start with a little exercise. Y'all see that? That's a Bible passage. Look at your neighbor and say, look up front. All right, you got it? All right. If you were looking to do a memory verse tonight or not, look at 1 Thessalonians 5 16. Read it together. All right. Now close your eyes. Do your memory verse. All right. Praise God. Let's have the offering and the invitation. All right. I want you to look at this, though. Ready for this? Look. What does verse 16 say? Say it. Now, what's the second part of verse 18? Come on, come on. Man, that was terrible. Let's try that again. Which what I want you to do? Katie, you all right? Katie's got the giggles. Mary's, Mary's face is red. She's going to blow up, I think. You can't see this at home, but this is live action worship, guys. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to take verse 16 and read it with the end of verse 18. You ready? Go. All right, now look at verse 17 and do the exact same thing. Now do all of verse 18. Now I'm going to put some of y'all to the test. You ready? I'm going to call you by name. We're going to find out something about you. Casey, can you say one thing for sure that you know is always the will of God for you in Christ Jesus? Whoa, where did you get that from, Casey? Wow, Mary, can you say something else that's always the will of God for you in Christ Jesus? What did you get that from, Mary? Wow, it's like it's right there in the Bible or something. Let's see, who else looks like they weren't paying attention? I mean, was paying attention. Uh, Jake, did you notice something else that's always the will of God for you in Christ Jesus? Jake, where did you get this wonderful information? Now the next person that tells me they don't know what God's will is, I'm going to kick you in the shin. So, there's a lot, right? But we can say tonight, we can walk away and say, I know three things that are always the will of God. What are they? Now you want to know what I find interesting? All right, two quick things I find interesting. One, no, I haven't got to the sermon yet. Na, 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 boo, boo. One, this letter was written to people who were anxious and confused about the second coming of the Lord. So what is your posture, part of your posture as you wait for the coming of the Lord? What is? Come on, what is part of your posture? Thank you, Casey. Come on, y'all. Why? boy, you guys are so smart. Secondly, what I find really interesting is this seems to position us well to not quench the spirit. It seems to position us well to not despise prophecies. It seems to position us well to to test everything we're told and to sort through it and hold on to what is true. And it seems what is good, excuse me, what is true, what is good. they're, They're together. And it seems to position us to do what else? Hmm. Who said that? Bill, have you been reading this passage or something? How did you know that? That's right. So let's back up. Are we always being tossed to and fro? We're probably not rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. Do we know what the word of God says for various situations? Probably not because we're probably not, Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. Do we often quench the spirit and don't give him room to work in our life? Yep. What what could that be tied to? Not rejoicing, not praying without ceasing, and not giving thanks. Tonight, it is very likely that somebody's life will be changed in the way they operate from the day-to-day basis. Are you Ready? I want to share with you guys three big thoughts, three big thoughts. None of them are monumental in their nature. They're literally accepting what God has commanded and working toward putting it into a habit in our life. Number one, the command. What was the command? Did Anybody remember? What was the command? Give thanks. I think that was Lauren. Lauren, you're exactly right. There was other commands. but Which one are we focusing on? Oh, somebody back there. Okay. That's right. Exactly, Jimmy. There are all these other ones, right? But what are we focusing on? Giving thanks. Now, you can say a lot of times to a kid, if you've ever had a kid or been a kid, you've said or heard this, because I said so. Man, we've all heard that. As a kid, that can be so frustrating. You know, I I hated that answer as a kid. You know, why do I got to do such and such? Because I said so. I really hated it in school because I hate busy work. Anybody hate busy work in school? I mean, I hate it. And so you ask your teacher, why are we doing this? Because I said so. I'm like, that's not a good enough reason for me. Like, okay, I'll flunk you. Great secondary reason. Suddenly because I said so seems great. Sometimes, though, I think uh, we resist God in the same way we resist parents and teachers We don't want to hear, do this just because I said so, although that's valid enough reason. If he's your Lord and he's told you to do something, do it. And if you don't do it, then perhaps what? Perhaps you're not your Lord. Oh, like and if you won't do a lot of things he says, rut, row, raggy, you're probably revealing he's not your Lord. But I also think God wants to give us the nuance behind following him. You know, he's a patient dad. He's a good father. We sing that sometimes, a good, good father. So look, let me give you one passage that I think will highlight this. Look at, this is uh, Isaiah 48, 17 through 19. Look at the second half of verse 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to what, church? Prophet. If you want to be in the money-making game, you should go to school for and or go under the tutelage of someone who's a money maker. I have this particular friend, just makes money hand over fist, very legal, very smart with money. If I wanted to learn how to make money, I would approach this person and say, would you mentor me in making money? Okay. Well, every bit of existence comes into being because of God. All of it that is broken is because of man. Man often does what is to man's debt and detriment. What God wants us to do, is what is for our profit and his glory. So he takes, sent, he takes the prophet Isaiah, sends this word to captive, broken Israel and Judah, and look at what he says. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Now look at, listen to what the results would be if they had paid attention to his commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, constantly flowing, flowing peace. Flowing into a pool of gathered peace. The ocean, right? Get that imagery. Secondly, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea, constantly ebbing, constantly there. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like it's green. You would have had this legacy and this heritage. And your name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. So there's the command, give thanks. She's like, you know, I don't like to be just told what to do maybe what I'm saying is we can see the profit. We can see the good in listening to the Lord. Now, somebody already is sitting here going, you know, I don't know who the Holy Spirit got this message for, but I hope they get it because I'm a very thankful person. question is, are you? Are you given to griping? Are you given to complaining? Are you given to accusations? Are you, are you given toward despair? Is your first thought in every situation what you're missing, or what you have. I think all of us naturally complain, naturally gripe. And anyone who seems to be a thankful person all the time, that's a supernatural work. And if we're really honest, in every circumstance, we don't look for something to be thankful in. So I think all of us need this, to tell you the truth. There's the command. Let me see if I can give you guys some logic behind the command. You ready for this? Here's some logic, Okay. Number one, if it's good, if it's good, it's from God. Amen? If it's good, it's from God. Look at your neighbor and say, if it's good, it's from God. You say, Pastor, where'd you get that? And I'll tell you, buddies, I got it from James chapter 1, verse 17. Read this verse out loud together with me. You ready? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. If it's good, what? So, if you can identify something as good, where did it come from? Is that a reason to give thanks for it? Here's the second piece of logic. If it's not good, God can use it. I get excited when I go over this part here. And so it's easy to see if it's good. It came from God. That's like, we got that, man. You didn't have to give me no Bible verse. I already know. God's good. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. But you're telling me that I can be thankful in all all circumstances, even if it's not good. Yup. Somebody's sitting there thinking right now, explain yourself. glad you asked. Check this out. Here's the quickest way I can explain it. In Romans chapter number 8, Verse 28 and 29, they say this. And we know that for those who love God, what works together? Say it together. What works together? If it's not good and you're called according to God's purpose, then guess what the not, not good thing's going to do? Work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, bless you. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that you might be the firstborn among many brothers. If it's not good, God can make it good. Let's look at an illustration of that real quick, because I, I want you guys to see how this works in your life. I'm going to give you a biblical illustration, and then one from our own lives. Here's the biblical one, Joseph. Like, let's turn and go through Joseph's whole story in Genesis Right? No, I'm not going to do that. But in Genesis 50, Joseph is confronting his brothers. Can you remember what his brothers did? Anybody? They threw him in a hole, sold him into slavery, went home and told his daddy that he got eaten by some wild creatures. You know, as a little brother who got beat up a lot by my older brothers, I'm kind of glad they didn't read the Bible. They ripped up his special coat, and it made Dolly Parton cry. That's a whole other story. All right, what happens is he distinguishes himself because the favor of the Lord is on him. And then his boss's wife lies on him. He winds up in jail. His jailmates disregard him. He hangs on to the Lord. He winds up being the second, like he's sort of like the prime minister of what was then one of the most powerful empires on the face of the earth. His brothers, that family, wind up in famine. They come to him for help. In the end, Genesis 50, this is what he says to them. What you meant for, who knows, what you meant for evil. Okay, pause right there. Nobody is whitewashing what his brothers did. They were bad, and they meant what they did for bad. Any of you guys ever had somebody do something bad to you? You ever been du- double-crossed? You ever been lied on? You have been taken for granted? All of us have. Ask this question Have you ever lied to anybody? Have you ever taken others for granted? We have, let's be honest. So here's the truth, all right? And when it's going on, the truth feels like a huge house sized wet blanket smothering us. It feels like the biggest thing in the universe. I've been done wrong. This is wrong. This is unjust. This is unfair. It is killing me. All right? That's the way it feels in the moment. But if you're in Christ Jesus, then that thing is a microscopic speck across eternity. And it's true, and it hurts in the moment, but here's the greater truth. God is bigger than all of that. The greater truth rules the lesser truth. This is true. God's true. This won't last forever. God will last forever. So we can say with no doubt, that's why the Apostle Paul says, and we know that for those who love, love God, everything's working together. So if it's good, it came from God, and we can thank God for it. Easy, right? If it's not good, God can use it. God can use it. Now, I, I, uh, I grew up. Here's, here's where the story, this is a true story. I grew up with three older brothers. I was four years old. My dad gave all of us boxing gear. My dad loved boxing. We loved boxing. Uh, and it got stole. Remember that day we got stole that, that fall? Well, I do. It broke my heart because y'all kept boxing and we didn't have have safety equipment anymore. Um, but we had a good crop. We got the boxing equipment. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm right-handed. I'm right-handed. And typically, a right-handed boxer, boxes like this. He jabs with his weaker hand because he's always loading up his other hand. He protects with his weaker hand so he can do work with his. Guess how I learned how to box? You know why? Because I had three older brothers beating me up, and I needed every bit of the strong arm to protect me against stronger, heavier opponents. Now, later on, I got into some boxing. Guess what it was very natural for me to do? I was Rocky, man. I could catch chickens barehanded, fight right handed, or left handed, no problem. You know, I even heard the music in my hand. You see, that was a bad thing. My brothers were beating me up. It was a bad thing. What did it do? It developed a good skill. I actually learned how to be a left handed fighter, it made my left hand so very strong. And so a lot of times I'd line up like a right handed boxer. And I'd turn around and just unload left-handed on somebody, and they, and they, and they had done drop their right hand, and boom, I was in the shop doing their work. A lot of times the stuff you're going through in the moment, you think, this is going to kill me. If we could just see it from God's perspective, in that circumstance, we would begin to thank God. All things work together for good, then love the Lord and call according to his purpose. If it's good, it comes from God, you can give thanks. Somebody say amen. If it's not good, God can use it. Man, we've got to go fast. Third piece of logic. If you have God, you've already got the best thing. You've already got the best. Let me see if I can illustrate this a couple different ways really quickly. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Now, I'm going to give you guys kind of a gross illustration because I want to make my point. Sometimes we look at our life and we sort of see ourselves as totally drenched in a cow patty. We sort of take an inventory and say, yep, that's, that's, that's in the cow patty. Yep, and that's in the cow patty. This is bad and that is bad. and that. Everything's bad. Okay? Maybe, maybe I could illustrate it like this. Let's say you're a professional skydiver, but you were having a bad morning and you jump out without your parachute. You start looking around going, no chute, no emergency chute. You saw where I was going. (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) At that moment, you say, I have no hope. You say, hmm, I am a dedicated disciple of God, drenched in the blood of Jesus. I'm going to need that in a moment. Presently, you're drenched in the cow patty. But if you have God, it will not always be that way. You have a lot to be thankful for if all you have is God. If you're confused if you're beaten down by your choices, if you're hurting physically, emotionally, if life seems to be set against you, if you have God, I can't say when this present mess will get cleaned up. I can't. I'll be honest. But If you got God, there's something to be thankful for. If he's your portion, he's enough. Or maybe we could say it like this. In Romans 831 and 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? But here's the thing I really like, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We believers, we Christians are fellow heirs with Jesus. Everything that is coming to Jesus, it will be shared by us. There's a reason to be thankful. And there's the logic. What's the command? Give thanks. What's the logic? If it's good, it came from God. If it's not good, God can use it. If everything seems rotten in the moment, you still have God. Lastly, there's a habit. We have to embrace development. I'm going to go through this very, very quickly. Y'all hang in here, sharpen your pencils, lick the leads, do whatever you need to do. I want to go through this very quickly, but I want to make sense. There's two critical words that all, all of us need to come to grips with tonight, and this is tonight. The first word is lordship, okay? What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, you you say, I'm a believer. I have surrendered my life to God. But what are you doing to affirm his lordship over you day by day? And for me, I'd say hour by hour. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You You know, that song, I need thee every hour, that's me, all right? And then secondly, how are you practicing your faith? Those are two critical words. Let me walk you through them super fast. First, it's Lordship of Jesus deal. Lordship of Jesus principle number one, submit yourself to God daily. Daily. God, you're the boss of me. All right. Now, in this area of giving thanks, we've already gone over this. How do I know that you guys should give thanks? How do I know that? What did the verse say? For this, who said it? Somebody over here said it. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. How do I know as your pastor it's right for me to tell you to submit to God in this way? How do I know that? Is it Tim's will for you? It's God's will for you. Exactly, young women. Okay? So you're going to have to submit to this over and over and over again. Submit to his lordship over and over again. Think about it through the terms of Romans 12.1. Romans 12, 1 says, present, present your bodies as a what? Hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, until either you go to see Jesus or Jesus comes to get you. Reporting for duty, sir. Coming to do your will, father. Loving your fellowship, dad. Enjoying what you're giving the son together with him. Vessel of the Holy Ghost, treasure and hidden, hidden in this jar of clay. It, pull out every metaphor every day and present yourself. Say, God, I am yours. I'm not trying to run the show. That's the only way you're going to arrive to a conclusion. And no matter what, you, what situation you're in, what circumstance you're in, give thanks. Lordship of Jesus, principle number two. Adopt a word-driven mentality. Now, the very next verse in Romans chapter 12. Is verse one, excuse me, verse two. What does it say? Do not be what? Conformed. Don't be shaped by this world. Instead, do what? Be transformed. Metamorphosis. Metamorphos- What's that sound like? Metamorphosis. Exactly right. God's word, God wants His word working within, switching up your affections, switching up your thinking. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Why does God want you to be transformed? So that you can test what? His will. Not so you can think about it, so you can test it. Or look at this principle from um, Romans chapter 10. They have not obeyed all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. We, we, we become word-driven people when we look for how God would how God would have us live in every situation. I tell this story all the time. I was, uh, uh, care, care was working um, as a teacher. Um, I, I was in school and, um, and uh, working for, just started working for Youth for Christ. My dad wanted me to loan him some money. Easy, easy no. Anybody want to guess why it was an easy No. No, I didn't have no money. (laughs) He's like, loan me some money. No. Why? I have none. The next request was really hard. His next request was cosign. I didn't know what to do because I knew that I couldn't stretch my credit. I knew it. And I told him, you know what he says? He says, Just use your wife's Social Security number. All right, I knew she had good credit. Care paid all her bills. Forever. (laughs) I said, I said, I I had to search the scriptures. I studied through the Proverbs all the time. Proverbs 6 came to me. You know, the Bible actually tells you don't do that. Now, I don't want to make anybody mad. Somebody's probably on a cosign here right now. But you know, the Bible tells you not to do that. Did you know that, Casey? You are a money lender by profession. Did you know your, your bank will call families to do that? Excuse me, his credit union. Sorry, Casey. Sorry, Casey. All right, so the world will tell you the way to work it is like this. The Word says the way to work it's like that. That's an easy illustration to see. Do you know how many things the world's telling you to work one way and the Word will tell you to work another Somebody smart mouse you, your friend will say, I'd have told them such and such. And they always got some kind of advice, right? The Word would say usually something radically different than what your friend would say, unless you got a good, godly friend. We have to, as we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, we have to adopt a Word-driven mentality. And the best faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I can illustrate this all day long. I should move on. I probably should have a long time ago. Lordship of Jesus, principle number three. Invite God to chase, subdue, and recommission your thoughts. Now, why did I put this like this? Probably because I need it so much. Most of the war in our emotions, in our spirit, in our choices, most of it begins somewhere in the battle between our thoughts and our affections. So what, so what I want to do all the time is I say, Lord, I invite you to send out the hounds of heaven on every single rampant, wrong, ungodly thought I have, chase it down, chain it up, drag it back into the palace, renew it, restore it, recommission it, and send it back out. I want you, any, if I'm wrong, I don't care if a toddler or a policeman is the one you used to tell me I'm wrong. I don't care if it's a preacher or a whiner. I want your word to get in me and I want my ideas to get out. 25 and a half years, I wrecked this life. For the last 23 and a half years, God has been restoring it. I still got more time wrecking it than he's had restoring it. The principle here can be easily seen in 2 Corinthians 10. Take every thought captive to obey Christ, the second part of verse 5 says. And so in closing, I want you guys, to, I want to give you guys some principles of practice and thankfulness. Number one, express gratitude. I mean, do it. Out loud, at every occasion, say thank you to God. You say, I can't thank God in all circumstances. Too bad. He's already commanded you to. What's the logic? He's good, and he's got good in mind for you. There's the logic. So do it. Learn to be a thankful person. Say it out loud to God, no matter who's listening. Thank you, God. Because a thankful heart... It's a happy heart. <laughs> Andrew, I came just because to ask you to lead us in that children's song. Do you know that one? Oh, man, the little kids do from C3. They learn in C3. Oh, Sinead's singing it. You got it. A thankful heart is a happy heart. Learn to say thank you. Me too. Sometimes you say, what? I'm, I'm just in review. You say, what do I have to be thankful for? My whole life is in the cow paddy. Well, just back up to the most basic. Do you got God? Likewise, just like, just like how healthy it is, likewise, you know what it makes you do? It makes you determine what has value and then to praise it. And sometimes as we look for ways to, to express gratitude, you know what it does? It makes us see that something doesn't have value, and we've spent time on something that's not praiseworthy. I was watching the Carolina-Virginia game last night. Virginia was up 21 points the, when the fourth quarter starts. They only win by three. I was about to go nuts. And then I start, at game ends. I started looking over my notes. and I said, oh, this is convicting. I got all wound up over something that don't even matter. It's not that it was bad or good. It just didn't really matter. Next, praise God. Same way, do it out loud. Do it out loud. I'll never forget when I was, uh, came on staff at Berry's Grove back in 2000, God was really working these principles in my heart. And Carrie, you'll remember this very clearly. I, how, how much did I walk around going, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know what I was trying to do? I was trying to get a, a new mindset, a new heart, a new tongue, and it was funny. I said it so much, the teenagers all started mocking me, imitating me. One of them in particular is this little girl. named well, she's a grown woman now, Brittany Brown. She's a little bitty thing, and she would try to imitate my big voice. Praise God. And she, <laughs> you know, and, I, and now that went on for months before I even knew they was all picking on me. And they did not have a clue the war was going on in me. Instead of complaining, instead of speaking with anger, instead of speaking out of turn, I, I had asked God to train me to praise him in every circumstance. I'll never forget getting called to the floor in a, de- in a deacon's meeting one time. True story. And I was in trouble. And this is, this is the truth. I didn't even know what I was in trouble about. I just knew I was in trouble because they was all mad. And I walk in, and you know, I start walking in, and I'm like, hey, Bob, hey, Joe, you know, and they'd say something I go, praise God, praise God. And I got this one guy, and I said, hey, and he said something. I said, praise God. He said, I wouldn't do that yet. (laughs) He thought, you know, they're getting ready to drop the hammer on me. He said, you better hold off on them praises. And I told him, I said, well, I'm going to keep praising them no matter what y'all do. Turns out I wasn't in bad trouble. It was just a misunderstanding because that's how the devil wants to work, right? but I'll never forget that. I said, praise God. He said, I don't believe I do that just yet. (laughs) Do you know how much your flesh, the enemy in this broken world is trying to tell you, don't praise God. Wait till you see how it works out. I say praise him in the middle of it because he's shaping you in the image of Jesus, if nothing else. And last but not least, mirror these practices with people. In other words, express gratitude to people. Praise people. The other day, I I'm always looking for some reason to praise these, these boys in my small group. And to be honest, I struggle. The other day, this one boy was leaving me nothing praiseworthy. And I'm just being honest. His behavior was reprehensible. He wouldn't keep his hands off other people, off other people's things. Instead of leading small group, it was constantly. I'm going to say it was like you, Andrew. So I can, like, Andrew, okay, Andrew, hey, listen, Andrew, no, leave, leave Bobby alone. Hey, Andrew, don't, don't, touch, don't touch Joe. Hey, A- Andrew, Andrew, hands to yourself, bud. And I, and I was battling in my heart, Lord, give me something to praise for. at that moment he realized his shoe was untied. He bent over and tied his shoe. And I said, hey, bro, good loop. That was all I had in the moment. And he's like, what? I said, good shoe time, man. <laughs> you know, and it caught him off guard. He said, that's the way I tie him all the time. Well, it's good every time. You know what happened. This is God's not truth. he chilled right on out. That don't always work, but I was like, man, that's my sermon illustration. Two, Tuesdays, two Thursdays ago it happened. I say, great loop. It was all I had, man. <laughs> all I had was his. Only thing I can say nice to this kid, great shoe tying. But it shifted the relationship. What if you went around all the time praising whatever you could, thanking, thanking people and God in every situation? You know what's going to shift first? Anybody want to know what it is? I think I heard it. What'd you say? You, you're gonna shift. <laughs> no. And there's actually no better thing, no better way. To, oh, I just turned it. Off. No better way to to go to the Lord's supper than this way. So Jesus says, He, you know, you remember what they're celebrating? They're celebrating the Passover, which is their escape out of slavery in Egypt. And so they take the bread, and uh, they remember this bread is loaded with stuff. It's, uh, it's unleavened bread, which meant it was prepared quickly so they could leave quickly. And, uh, and Jesus took the bread, and he broke it. And anybody know what he did after he broke it? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. and You know what he tells them? All right, and this bread has meant this escape from Egypt, but this bread is now going to be a symbol of my body, and it's going to be your escape out of death. So the Bible says, he took the bread, broke it, gave thanks. We can too. Thank you for the body of Jesus. The Bible says, likewise, he took the cup. He tells them, he says, this, this, this is the, you know, this blood In the Greek, it's like, this is my oath of a new deal. This is my agreement. This is my promise of a new agreement, a new covenant with you guys, a new testament. You know what he's doing here? He's saying, uh, my blood is what will pardon you from the wrath of God. It will pardon you from spending hell, eternity in hell with Satan. It's just, it's grace. God's unmerited favor. He says, every time you do this, do what? You see how that principle, if you got nothing else, you got God, you got something to give thanks for? Always. I'm not trying to be gross, but you just won't forget the metaphor. If you say life is a cow have at least I have Jesus. And I do this in remembrance of him. Thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. We're going to sing together because it's a great first-level response. As our team comes to lead us. When was the last time you, you counted your blessings, made a list, set it out loud? When was the last time you, you, you told God, thank you for Jesus? This can really transform our lives because it sets our minds on things above. Father, we need transformed lives, transformed speeches, transformed thought processes. Father, we need to rejoice always. We need to pray, to stay in conversation, speaking and listening with you without ceasing. And We need to give thanks. God, it's good for us. It's good for us. Capture our hearts with the blessing of gratitude and then loosen our tongues to bring you praise. In Jesus we pray, amen.